Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about. time for Mortgage Matters. Well, welcome to the show, everyone. After a couple of weeks off, couple week hiatus, we are back with a brand new live show, new and improved, better than ever, Mortgage Matters. You're going to be so excited about today's show. I know I am. I'm Dan Podesto. I am joined today by a very special guest, Will Barnaby. Hello. I was quite surprised to see you. I came in, someone's stuff is in my, my chair. Oh, did I move you out of your spot? Yeah, I'm in a totally uncomfortable position right now. We're all discombobulated. We are. We're, we're back from a hiatus. You're in Jason's chair and Will's in your chair. It's wild. And but you know what? You know, three, which we never use. I was here first. You were here first. So I guess you get your pick. And you know what? It just it kind of spices up the, the show. It gets me... Um, you know, just the natural instincts come through. There's no planning, no preparation um, since I'm out of my normal routine. But that's okay. It's going to be a great show because it's live, and that's that's what makes radio great. Um, we've made it through a very busy May. I apologize to the regular listeners and, well, to all the listeners, really, um, that we weren't able to provide a live show the last couple of weeks. We got through... Um, we got through anniversaries, birthdays, funerals... Um, family trips. There's a lot going on these last couple of weeks. Uh, graduations, a lot, lot of graduations. Tons of graduations. Um, so we're back in action now, and we've got a great June lined up for you. Um, today, obviously, is the highlight of June because we've got Will and myself here. There you are. And it's just us for the whole two hours, so that's going to be great. Um, next week, we have a builder that's going to join us. Um, I believe it's Robbins Reed. Builders, hmm. I think that's the name. Um, they're going to be joining us next week talking about some of their projects and just the state of building in Slow County. Um, and then later on in June, we're going to have our regular um, real estate expert, Wes Burke's going to join us from Patterson Realty. And then I believe we also have uh, another realtor from Century 21 Hometown in Slow, uh, Kristen Crabtree, is going to be joining us uh, for the last show of the month. So it should be an, a good June, um, and they're all going to be live shows, so that's that just makes it that much better. There you go. So did you just get through graduations yourself? Yeah, I was at uh, the Templeton graduation. My son's girlfriend graduated on, I want to say it was Wednesday, but it might have been Tuesday. Any other, any, are either of your kids graduating from... It seems like they have a graduation for every year now. Yeah, they it, well every level of school, preschool, then elementary school, then they haven't gone to, school. to annual graduations. No, or? no annual graduations. Okay. But uh, yeah, my son graduates next year. My daughter will graduate from elementary school next year as well. Okay. So I guess we'll have two. There we go. But there used to only be one. Yeah, I remember. Uh, well, I remember having a graduation from junior high and a graduation from high school. Yeah, we never did an elementary school graduation. We didn't do that either. I didn't go to preschool. I don't think Jason's daughter. The reason Jason isn't here today is because his daughter is graduating from preschool. Preschool. 
Yeah. It's very cute, though. It's very. <laughs> I remember when my son did it. It's it's very very cute. Okay. Little tiny caps and gowns. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, so there's a lot of graduates out there. Congratulations to all of you, all the proud parents uh, and grandparents who have seen your your offspring graduate this last couple of weeks. Maybe they're coming up here in the next week or two. Um, it's an exciting time of year, and. Um, Hopefully there's good things to come for all those youngsters. Yeah. Let's talk about the jobs report. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect segue. Perfect uh, segue. Um, yeah. So this is uh, this is the, the first week of the month. So that means a, a lot of exciting market moving numbers come out this first week. Um, highlighted, of course, by the Friday jobs report, courtesy of the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They give us such fine numbers to mull over. Um, actually seemed like a pretty decent jobs report, um, from what I could tell, fourth month in a row of job gains exceeding 200,000. First time that's happened since 1999. Yeah. And they were making a pretty large deal about the fact that they, uh, the jobs numbers are pre-recession levels at this point. Yeah. That happened in the last, the last report that just came out on Friday. Not real sure how big of a deal that really is since the population continued to grow, which, you know, the other side continues to point out constantly. But it was definitely a big deal. They made a big deal about it on uh, all the financial channels. It was written about often. Um, so I guess we're pre-recession employment numbers at this point. I think we're also at um, pre-recession income levels too, right? Oh, I didn't hear that. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I, I joke, but... Um... Incomes have been stagnant for for years now. So even though you know the number of jobs might have returned to pre-recession levels, there hasn't been a lot of um, improvement necessarily in the quality of jobs. And I think that's the biggest gripe of of the jobs numbers. However, whatever kind of rosy spin you want to put on them, there's still a quality issue here. And part of that quality is pay um, p the pay increasing with the cost of living, which it has not done for some time. No, agreed. It seems that every time you get a positive one of these, and, and don't get me wrong, it's it's positive, so I'm not trying to be negative about it, but um, it seems that you read the headline, and that's rosy, and then as you read down, it just gets a little less and less and less rosy till you get to the bottom. A lot of it's part-time jobs, a lot of it's uh, underpaid jobs, you know, so a lot of the negative stuff starts to come in when you start to read through the article a bit more. But the headline would make you want to go have a party. Sure, sure. Well, I, I guess I, I feel compelled to remind you and everyone that um, we're coming off of a pretty dismal first quarter. Yes. Um, where, you know, highlighted by extreme cold weather throughout most of the country. Um, we've, we've seen first quarter GDP numbers looking pretty atrocious. I think they were negative, negative 1%, if I'm not mistaken, on the last reading. Um, so that's not good at all when, you know, we're targeting, you know, a 3% growth rate um, yeah. for GDP being negative certainly isn't where we want to be. Um, so the first quarter definitely got off to a very weak start and, um, and consumer confidence in May kind of, I think reflected that a little bit it was, was down, um, pretty significantly from the month prior. Um, but we're starting to see some of the economic economic numbers thaw a little bit. Um, there's expectations that GDP is going to rebound pretty 
um, handsomely here in the second quarter. We're starting to see some of the rebounding in the employment numbers that were horrible during the winter and now four consecutive months of, mm-hmm. of decent job growth. We've seen the unemployment rate pl- you know, fall um, significantly, right? Yeah, stuck at 6.3% for the second month in a row. Um, so that's a that's a good number at face value. Um, you know, there's always talk when we when we talk about this unemployment rate, what the labor force participation rate is looking like. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I understand anytime that it seems to me anytime that I've read anyway about uh, major upsets in the economy that. The market tends to change, and the economy changes a little bit. And unfortunately, it seems that people that are just barely older than me sometimes get caught in that, you know, they're at the point where changing their career is not necessarily something that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, so you get people that either take jobs, and I know a number of people that, uh, you know, in their 60s that are taking jobs at places that you would never expect them to be working at. Um, a little bit more entry-level type of stuff. And I, I feel that sometimes people are faced with either retirement and dealing with what they have as a uh, fixed income or starting over. And starting over again at that point in time doesn't sound like anything that's fun. So I don't know that the participation rate is actually ever going to change until we age, until the you know people 10, 12 years from now, maybe that's going to be a little bit different. But I, I don't know that... Uh, I don't know that that's something that can be fixed. It's interesting you bring that up because it's something that's been on my mind every time labor participation comes up um, as part of this conversation. Mm. I always wonder how much of that decline in participation is people retiring? Because we, we know that there's this baby boomer population that's reaching that retirement age. Um, You know, some have already reached it. Some are reaching it and, and there will be more in the future. So is that a significant portion of this decline in participation? Is that, does that get, uh, is that a part of that statistic or is that excluded somehow? I'm, I don't know how that's measured. You know, I think from everything that I've heard that it's included, obviously, you know, they also go to the college age children or people graduating that are unable to find jobs or I don't want to say meaningful jobs, but jobs in their education field, maybe mm-hmm. for lack of a better term. But, uh, you know, so they're taking jobs that aren't necessarily what they had gone to school for. Um, But, you know, again, yesterday, CNBC, there's, you know, a handful of billionaires in five different boxes sitting on the television, and they all talk about, you know, their first job. And all of their first jobs, with the exception of one, because, you know, his father apparently uh, took care of him a bit, but they all were pretty entry-level type positions. Yeah. You know, and... I don't know if it's a situation where, you know, we, we've talked about education solving everything and it doesn't necessarily always solve everything, or if it's a situation of, you know, we expect that after we pay ungodly amounts of money for our children to go to school, that they're actually going to be able to be employed in the field that they went to school in right away. But right now, there definitely seems to be a delay in, in younger people getting employed and then the the i don't want to say just before retirement age or maybe at retirement age people that would probably work for another 5 to 10 years if you know they had their way that just aren't able to or just are not going to particularly from my perspective which is just people that i know it, it's a lot of people that were involved in 
I don't want to say construction, but in building things in some level, whether whether they be um, surveyor people or whether they be people that sold, you know, windows and things along those lines or hardware of some sort or work for those types of companies that really have kind of been displaced and have, you know, moved on. But that, again, may just be because of where I'm at. But like you said, there's kind of this forced hand here where, where these folks are, you know, in an industry that's been squeezed significantly, um, are they to go out and start a new line of work altogether? That's that's challenging. Maybe that's where we're seeing some of the lack of of quality jobs or people who are changing industries or going into entry level positions um, who used to have, you know, higher up type of, of positions and pay, or are they just exiting the job market altogether because, you know, I think things the, aren't right anymore for them. I think one is the motivation for the other. Sure. You know, I think, I think one drives the other thought and eventually they just get to the point where they think, well, you know what, it's just not worth it. I'm going to retire and take what I, what I can. And then, you know, from an employer standpoint, obviously, I, I don't think that this is any secret, but, you know, there's times where they can hire two college kids for the price of one experienced person. And if they're hiring a new employee with 10, 10 years left to work or five years left to work, or they can train two for that price. Well, um, and what's their energy level, their excitement level, and they've got all the demands of being a an adult with family, and you ha- or you have this energetic 20 year old eager to to prove themselves in in a new world yeah but one knows a lot and one knows not much true that's true (laughs) so so yeah and i've always been told that that youth that can either be your greatest attribute or your greatest detriment depending on oh and how you employ your your i can tell you from personal experience that that's true (laughs) (laughs) so i i actually read something in the last few weeks um that talked about the the unemployed and how there's a significant number of unemployed people who who aren't looking for work at all. Um, And that kind of, I I think, ties into what what you're um, suggesting is that, you know, some of these people, they they might be done with their career. Maybe they're they're still in that they're they're contemplating whether or not retirement's the right option for them. Maybe they're half heartedly looking for for other positions in, in the field that they would like to be in, but not not having a lot of luck. Um, it kind of makes me think that 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 there is an, an an extreme shift right now in in our entire economy and in the jobs economy specifically that um, we haven't seen in a long time. This is a cleansing. Yeah, it seems like. Well, you, you know, again, I think that every time you hit a major obstacle the way we had, you know, you're gonna start to see a bit of change, and and the industries are gonna change, and things are gonna change, and maybe that displacement is just part of that natural growth at times. That sounded heartless. I didn't mean that that way. But the reality is, is, you know, as things change, maybe people with less time to change. It's kind of like when you invest when you're young, right? You go and you show up at the 401k meeting and they're like, well, you're young. Go real aggressive. You know, you can go for risky assets. Uh, You got time to make it up. You get a little older, you know, they start to talk about, you know, limiting your risk. And it's kind of one of those things. You can't really risk a lot. You can't really change a lot. You don't have time to make it up, I would say. So you get to that point where, you know, the industry's changing. How long are you going to be around through that change? And how long is that change going to take? Are you still going to be a part of that in the future? And that's kind of questionable, I would think. And I, I don't know. I think that part of it drives at least that portion of it. But I'd be very curious to see, and I've not, I've not seen anybody or seen the numbers to 
basically indicate how much of it's the young people and how much of it's the the older people that aren't going back to work at the moment. But that'd be very interesting to see. Yeah, I'd I'd like to get some more breakdown on on that participation and the the unemployed and you know, yeah. I but I don't know that that's easy to track. That that seems like a a difficult thing to track. I don't know. I don't know. You know, if Jason was here, he'd also throw in the fact that he thinks there's some sort of government motivation for them not to work. <laughs> anyway, just had to throw that out there. <laughs> well, in case you missed it at the beginning of the show, we are Jasonless today. He's attending his daughter's preschool graduation today. Um, I am joined instead. My, I'm Dan Podesto, by the way. And I'm Will Barnaby. Will is our guru, our mortgage guru in the North County. He works out of the Paso Robles Central Coast Lending Office at 1921 Spring. You can find him there during business hours, Monday through Friday, sometimes on the weekends. Um, Will's a terrific, experienced um, loan officer. He's been working in San Luis County for, gosh, over 10 years. Is that about right? It's definitely over 10. Okay. I want to say... 12 maybe 12 years something like that yeah um, it's been a while and uh very thoughtful very knowledgeable um glad to have you on the show today i appreciate it we are going to take a commercial break first break of the show um when we come back we've got a lot more to talk about and uh hope you join us we'll be right back with more mortgage matters don't go anywhere keep it locked to mortgage right, matters on kvec <laughs> <New Time 990. laughs> it's all right <laughs> We'll be back in just a few minutes. The 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast kicks off Sunday, June 8th at Tognazzini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 11 a.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen oysters with your choice of size, raw or barbecue, a pitcher of beer or soda, entertainment, and live auction, plus free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast Sunday, June 8th at Tognazzini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazzini's, and this radio station. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you refinance your home or investment property. Lower your rate, shorten your loan term, or get out of your mortgage insurance. Call Central Coast Lending today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me Just by switching to State Farm A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical Like a pet baboon with one robotic arm Get to a better state, State Farm Switch to State Farm and you can save Find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. It's a big job just getting by with nine kids and a wife. But I've been working, man, dang near all my life, and I'll keep on working. Long as my two hands are fit to use. <laughs> like all right. Talking about work? Man, no, man. You're always on it. That's how we know you're listening. At least we've got one. Hey, I like mine. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> That's an American classic right there. Yep, that sure is. All right, folks, you're tuned in to Mortgage Matters. Um, if you'd like to join into the conversation, we sure would love to hear from you. You can call in at 543-8830, 543-8830. If you like dialing more numbers, uh, you can do that. 800-549-KVEC, 800-549-KVEC. Um, I think we're about to get a call. Before we dive into a new topic, let's just see what's on the phone. Yeah, let's just go for the phones. Let's just talk to Dan in Atascadero. All right, welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, Dan, how hey, are you? Thank you. Hey, what uh, do you guys do? Reverse mortgages? We sure do. And what do you think about them? I think they're they're good um, for the right situation. Um, you know, I, I think any mortgage really needs to fit the situation. So yeah. if uh, I, I think the, the right situation for a reverse mortgage is someone who obviously has equity in their property um, and they meet the age requirement and uh, they either want to eliminate a mortgage payment altogether or they want to supplement their their income that they have currently that they're just it's it's hard to get by on the income they have and they have but they have equity in their property they can use that to uh, as an income supplement um, they can also use it in the form of an equity line to draw on when needed yeah it's definitely a useful tool in the right scenario um, the closing costs are a little steep in comparison to some other things to be perfectly honest with you but it's a government program it's definitely a tool in the right situation I would think. So what are the downsides? Um, I think downsides are probably fees. It is a, it, it's a um, FHA or HUD insured loan program. So there's a mortgage insurance component that can, that's pretty expensive. Um, and yeah. I, I think there's an adjustable rate component to the, to, to some of to the equity lines. In fact, I think what I've seen, they've revamped it. They got away from the fixed, um, rate portion. I think they're all adjustable now. Um, I could be wrong. There used to be one fixed rate option and two adjustable rate options, and I, I think they might have gone to three adjustable rate options now. Um, but but that's a risk. So your your interest rate is not fixed, and you're so you're just 
accruing interest at, at whatever the, the current rate is. So those are the negatives. A lot of people fear that they're somehow losing the ownership interest of their home. And that is not true at all. That's a myth. Um, you always, as the owner of your home, always retain the ownership, the title to your property. And uh, when time comes to for your heirs to take over your, that property, they have the ability to do so um, by refinancing out of that reverse mortgage, just as it as they would do with any financing that's on the property. Yeah, you know, essentially, you're just spending equity. Um, if if you're not taking a draw from it on a on a monthly basis. All you're really spending is the interest, but you're not having to make the payment. So if you're an older person and you need the you need to not make that payment in order to you know get by, that works out. If you start to draw money off of it, you're going to spend that equity a little quicker. But depending upon your scenario, you know that may not necessarily be bad. Um, it's definitely a tool to get you by. So if you set it up as a line of credit and you don't use it that much, then you're not paying as much interest then as you might if you took a huge draw out of it. Is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Correct. Yeah. If you if you took a lump sum draw or a monthly stipend draw from your equity line, your your interest payments are going to go up every month. Or if that if it's that lump sum, they're going to jump up immediately because you're you're debt financing your your payment and your interest. It all just gets tacked on to the principal balance of your loan. And so your interest component grows as that balance grows. If you have the equity line there and available to you, if and when you need it, you're only going to see a huge jump in interest when you do decide to take a draw. Yeah. And no matter how much you draw or how much interest you end up paying, you still retain ownership of the property. Yeah. Right. Well, let's say, for example, that you've got a home worth 500000 and you pull out 200000 in terms of a reverse mortgage. Uh, at the end of five years, for example, say you want to sell the house, you're going to owe more than 200000 on that loan. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. You're going to owe the interest payments on that two yeah, whatever the, for the, the five years. The 60 months of interest on that, which the interest rate, I, I think they're in the, the five-ish percent range right now, mid fives. Okay. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that would necessarily kill you um, as far as getting out of that house. Depends on the value of the house to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. And so Central Coast uh, Lending, you guys handle those things. Is that right? We do, yes. Okay. Now, do you... Do you the money yourself or do you, do you broker it out to some bank or whatever that's a loan program that we actually do broker out yeah okay, okay well i appreciate your help sure thanks for the call dan we appreciate it thank you yeah reverse mortgages are are uh they're a, a very useful financial tool for the right situation you know so we do get a lot of inquiries about them. It seems like the pull-through rate on those inquiries is, is fairly low. I think there's a lot of um, myths about the program. A lot of people are confused about it and concerned about how the, you know, the unwinding of that program is going to go at the, at the conclusion of, of the program. And, and so if, if you have questions, we definitely um, don't be afraid to call in during the week and we can, we can answer those for you. Um, the office line is 543-LOAN. Um, we've we've consulted many people on reverse mortgages. You can actually buy a home with a reverse mortgage, um, or you can refinance your existing home with a reverse mortgage. Um, you know, I often think that the the best situation is someone who has put all of their 
their income, you know, over their life, paying down their mortgage for 30 years, but then they don't have a great fixed income to retire off of. So that, that home is their best asset, their best opportunity to live a, a life of retirement that's comfortable. Um, you know, if you have that equity, that's, that's there for you to draw from. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it, it's a, it's a, it's a good tool. It definitely has its place, but it may not be right for everyone. So that's where, where the consultation comes in and consultations always free. And then with the reverse mortgage, you're not just going to hear it from the loan officer that you're consulting with. There's a required, um, counseling session with a HUD counselor. So that's your third neutral third party who has no financial interest, um, in the transaction. They're just there to answer your questions. Um, that maybe you're still confused about or, or want a second opinion on that that we or whoever you're working with um, was was attempting to help you with. Yeah. You know, like like most loan products, it, it's a useful tool for a specific purpose. You know, and I, I think that that's really important. When people come in to talk about loans, um, regardless of what it is, purchase, refinance, reverse mortgage, construction, all of these things, a lot of it depends upon the time objective of the person. Mm-hmm. that's getting into into the product so y- you got to figure out what it is exactly you want to do what your objectives are and then then you can figure it out and do the math yeah so that was a great question dan we do appreciate your um, question today if anyone else out there has a question or comment uh the number to the studio is 543-8830-543-8830 um so let's see the first bit of the show we started to to get into the um the big news of the week, the, the headline unemployment number sticking at 6.3%. We've seen um, fairly good job creation the last, um, last four months in a row, exceeding 200,000 jobs per month, which is the first time we've seen that since 1999. Um, few other numbers related to that. We saw uh, the day before the, the big number came out, we saw the private payrolls um, up 179,000. Um, these are jobs that are not government hirings or firings. These are yeah. the private payrolls. The ADP number, correct? Exactly. Yeah. A little ADP is a huge um, payroll uh, provider, big payroll service. A lot of people see that on their paychecks. Um, they were up 179,000, a little bit below forecast, and obviously below the um, the government number of 200 and whatever it was. I think 17, 217, right? yeah. Um, and then we also saw initial jobless claims um, sticking close to that 300,000 number. They were at a little higher than last week at 312,000. So that's still a pretty strong number considering where we've come from. Yeah, I would say so. It's it's definitely a positive sign. Um, but like we said, it's a little bit of a mixed bag too. Got to read past the headline. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. So um, let's see here. The Fed's Beige Book came out this week. What a boring name. Isn't it? And that's what I hear um, in my household a lot. Is there a more boring color than beige? No, there's really not. The Beige (laughs) Book. The Beige Book. But you know what? It... For me, I think the Beige Book is one of the most exciting reports that comes out every month. It does actually have quite a bit of information. It is. It's a great. It's an overview of the twelve of the country being divided into twelve different regions and how each of those regions is performing and what the outlook is. But why call it the Beige Book? Should what? it be a different color or just a different word altogether? Something a little bit more exciting. 
something a little bit more exciting. I don't know. I'm just complaining. All right. Yeah. Does it come in a beige binding? And I've got to believe form? it does. I mean, I otherwise, mean, it's just, it it's makes just, no sense whatsoever. Well, it's the government, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, can't make taxes exciting either. <laughs> so the Beige Book Report um, was giving some feedback on April, and it was showing further improvement in the economy. All 12 Federal Reserve districts reported that economic activity expanded. Yep. Um, and in particular, with residential real estate, um, activity was mixed. Lack of inventory um, was a, a constraining factor. Yeah, I think sales were down across the board. Um, new construction, uh, existing homes a whole bit, but construction is definitely up. And I think I think when you look at that scenario, it shows demand is demand is out there. There we go. We see there's a picture of the, the beige, beige book. book. It is and beige. It is beige. Well, there you go. That answers the question, doesn't it? You can find anything online. <laughs> no, but I th I think when when the when sales numbers are down, but you know production levels are up, that's a sign that there's still demand. There's just not product for people to buy. Yeah, well, and what I what I was finding here is that five of the districts districts reported sales higher, four reported softer sales. Um, so I guess that would leave what three that were flat, um, and then home builders gave mixed reports on new home sales and construction, while residential lending was mixed. So I think from from our point of view, I would say year over year lending numbers are down definitely, yes. and a lot of that has to do with the the shift in the interest rate market. That refinances are such a smaller portion of of overall business. Oh, absolutely. You know, we went from from around this time of last year, which I would say was probably the 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 interest rate, the low interest rate. It's not a peak. I guess it's a trough. The, <laughs> the trough in interest rates, the lowest point where they were at was was about this time last year. Um, and we were seeing um, loan business about. I'd say 75 to 80% refinance with, and then the balance being purchases. And now we're nearly the opposite. We're, we're probably 75 to 80% purchase, 20, 25% refinance. Um, yeah, I say that, I think that's true. I think another portion of it though is the investor market is kind of pulled out a bit. Yeah, well, because that low end property, you know, as soon as they come on, they're gone. Yeah, and it, well, part of it's the inventory not being there. I mean, that, that investor spike that was uh, helping us out quite a bit went away with the distressed properties. Mm -hmm. So We've never seen a shadow inventory pull through like, like has been rumored. Um, there's very few. In fact, I, I'm surprised when I see a property being listed as a foreclosure or a short sale. They're few and far between anymore. They really are. You know, and it, it was... I mean, I hate to say it like this, but it was a little bit impressive how they held back inventory, how the large institutions held back inventories to keep the market from completely, completely tanking. You know, they kind of released properties on, well, it depends on what time you're talking about. I don't want to say a moderate level, but they definitely controlled the pace of those properties hitting, you know, hitting the market. And some of it to their detriment, some of those properties continued to, you know, have deferred maintenance and become in worse and worse condition and ended up costing them money. Probably not as much as if they'd flooded the market and tanked the whole thing. Yeah. So, but it, it's somewhat interesting. 
somewhat, it's definitely interesting to see what's going on. I think the fact that we're going to need to build a lot of stuff is a really positive thing. It is. And, and I know that um, just at our shop, we've been getting a lot of inquiries about construction lending. Um, I've, I've had at least two to four a day, I would say. Yeah, it, it seems like they're probably the, the largest percentage of phone calls right now coming into our office is about some sort of building or mostly new construction yeah. type build. And it's, it's not developer type stuff. It's, it's the owner occupant, um, you know, own a piece of land or looking to acquire a piece of land and then build on that, their, um, primary residence. Yeah, for sure. You know, and oddly enough, and just to, I don't know, not to get off track or whatever, but the thing that I hear the most or the biggest complaint I hear from those people or the, is the cost from, you know, the County and the city and these other things. And I'm, I'm somewhat curious if it would be beneficial for them to make some sort of incentive for people to start building new homes again, if that could create a larger tax base and make more money. I would like to talk about that a little bit more. Um, I have firsthand experience with, with some of that here just recently. So I'd, let's, let's talk about building and dealing with the, the municipality, the planning department here in just a moment. I think that'd be great actually to get a planner um, on the show to talk more about that process and their perspective. Um, I'll share a little bit of mine here when we come back. It is time to take a commercial break um, so that we can thank our sponsors. There's a couple of great sponsors that help make Mortgage Matters possible each week. Patterson Realty, Blakesley and Blakesley, um, and State Farm Insurance. So they have wonderful commercials, and uh, we'll just take a couple minutes out uh, before we come back and talk more on Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. The 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast kicks off Sunday, June 8th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 11 a.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen oysters with your choice of size, raw or barbecue, a pitcher of beer or soda, entertainment, and live auction. Plus, free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast Sunday, June 8th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazini's, and this radio station. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. 
Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. back to Mortgage Matters. Having a great conversation here with Will Barnaby. I'm Dan Podesto. We're both working at Central Coast Lending every day, making a living. There Trying you anyway. Well, there you are. Getting by. Yeah. It's a good gig. This mortgage biz. It's pretty fun. Never know what the day is going to bring you. Lately, the day has been bringing a lot of a lot of calls and inquiries about construction financing. Um, construction financing still isn't necessarily plentiful, robust. There's not a lot of options out there. No, there doesn't seem to be. You know, and I've heard at least, you know, a handful of banks that are trying to come out with the OTC, the one-time close or construction to perm or, you know, for whatever reason, we're in an industry where they have to uh, give every single item 10 different names. But basically, <laughs> you know, a loan that wraps up the, the lot purchase, the construction, and the takeout. And it's, and it's odd because you talk to them, and for whatever reason, it seems that there, there's a requirement for some in, infrastructure, at least on a, a, technology, a technological basis. That was very difficult to say for a Saturday It's morning. a tough word. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. But... Uh, there's a bunch of them that are just about to come out, so hopefully that's about to change a little bit. It's needed. I mean, I I got a every time a sales rep from one of our investors walks into my office, that's the first thing I bring up. When are you coming out with the construction program? Well, that's because the phone rings all the time yeah. asking for it. And yeah. It's definitely a need. It is the product for the owner, builder, I'm yeah. building my own house. Right now, I mean, there's there's definitely um, financing available for the spec builder. Absolutely. Um, you know, someone who's building one or more units speculatively to sell. Um, that financing is available, but it's not cheap. It's not what the owner builder is looking for. No. Um, they're looking for something that's a competitive rate. That's, you know, that one-time close type of product. Um, the owner-builder situation is much different, and, th and there is opportunity there. Um, so what, what we're hoping for and what we think is coming out very soon are more programs and options for that owner-builder looking to build their primary residence. Absolutely. Um, one of the big challenges in construction lending is the equity position in the property. Um, 
long ago in a land far, far away, you used to be able to build a home and there be equity in that home. Sweat equity. <laughs> it's tough to do that anymore. Um, in fact, some of the stories I hear from local builders are that, you know, if someone's going to go out and do a spec project, it's hard to do something and yield more than, say, a $50,000 profit, yeah. which, you know, given what, what homes sell for around here is is 10% or less of the entire project value. That's not a big profit margin. No, I mean, it, I know to some people it might sound like it is, but the reality is when you're putting out that much money or that much risk, well, it's it, really not. And what does it take to build a home? I mean, six to 12 months. So if you can do that twice and there's, you know, you've got how many people working on that home? I mean, when, when you start spreading the money out, it, it doesn't go very far. It's not particularly lucrative right now to be a, a spec builder. Um, and, and that's equally challenging to the owner builder who's looking to get financing for their property because there's still some pretty hefty equity requirements. Yeah, you know, and then for me, when you, when you say these things, I start to question where the additional costs are coming from or where the increases are coming from. And the reality is I know that the land costs are not up. Um, build costs are probably up. Material costs are probably up. But I've, I've heard um, since a year or two ago that um, materials costs are about 10% higher. Yeah, but I think that a lot of the the growth in cost stems from cost paid to, you know, the city or the county or whatever uh, government regulation uh, situation you're in that you're paying for meters or you're paying for planning department, you're paying for all these other things. Different and, studies and engineering and geology reports and things like that. Yeah, you know, and like I was before the break, I, I just kind of question whether or not... Um, it's good math for them to continue uh, down that line or if giving people an incentive to build might be a more brilliant way um, of creating a uh, an economy of scale, for lack of a better term. Well, yeah, I, I think... Um... There's a there's a couple components there. There's one just the fees they charge, the various fees for all the reports and the the um, impact fees. You know, it's an opportunity for the the city to get you to repair their street or their sidewalk for them. And, Got it. Um, maybe help improve an intersection that that's been kind of funky for the last you know several decades. Hey, oh, here's a here's a new build going in. We're gonna apply some fees towards them to improve these these uh these other areas that are for public use um so there's that there's and then there's just the time the time to get through the process can be upwards of a year uh, for a project that conforms to the existing zoning allowances so even though you're just you're trying to do something that is allowed it still takes 12 months or more to get through that process and time is money especially well, if you have some financing on on that dirt the carrying cost for 12 months is not cheap. I it mean, can, that definitely adds to the expense of the build. So to your point, is streamlining this process or, or cutting back on some of the fees, maybe is that an opportunity to get more income longer term? on a long-term basis for the, the city. That's, you know, that's precisely what I'm suggesting. I'm thinking the, that a net positive is there. When that's a piece of dirt that's, say, you know, just for nice round numbers, worth $100,000, that's 
the tax revenue on that's not a lot. I mean, it's, you know, $1,000 a year or so. When that lot is improved to, say, a $500,000 home, now, yeah, sure, there's some fee income that comes in, but that's one-time stuff. It's that property tax revenue that then, you know, now it's five to $6,000 per year. Yeah. Um, so w there's a significant increase, and that's not a one-time thing. That's year over year over year um, with the cost of living increase. Um, so I'm telling you, I know we're just speculating, but somebody out there is getting there. Somebody's blood is boiling at the moment that actually knows a bit more about it that, you know, I'd really like, to, I'm interested to see, cause it's definitely something that should be looked at. You know, if, if we're going to compete as a County, have you seen these ads for Texas? I've seen ads for Texas and New York a lot lately. Yeah. Bring your business to Texas. Yeah. Oh, come to New York free. You know, this is this, this is the kind of thing that I, I, I'm, I think could happen here. I think that, you know, we could spur some economic growth in the County. That being said, we also have a very nice way of life and we don't want to have overbuilt sure. situations, but there's gotta be a happy medium somewhere because Right now, there's an undoubted uh, need for additional housing and additional growth, um, hence the phone conversations. Um, there has to be a way for us to actually uh, spark that type of growth if that's what we want. I don't know. It should be something that's discussed a bit more publicly, or maybe I'm just not paying attention enough. I don't know. I just I feel like the long-term revenue potential of a, of a fully improved parcel, especially when it's infill, makes so much sense that holding it up for for excessive fees and excessive timelines just is is counterproductive. It's that that you know saying you're tripping over a, a dollar to pick up a dime. Precise. It, that, that's exactly what it feels like. Not only are we talking about property tax revenues, we're also talking about creating a full-time resident or, or even a part-time resident who's going to spend money locally to help boost tax revenues as well. There's a lot of income potential to a fully improved property versus a piece of dirt. Well, and it's predictable income that comes in at a set set of time every year. It's not a one-time thing. It's not like a big spike. It's something that you can, it's essentially fixed income. You know, I mean, I know it's going to go up a little bit every year, but you get what I'm trying to say. It's something that's planable. It's something that we can look at as a group. And so recently, community. recently, I, I had an opportunity to speak with a planner in one of our county's planning departments. Uh -huh. And I brought up this point of you know, revenues, tax revenues, and it was very quickly dismissed that that's not a concern. Huh. And, nice. and it's interesting because I, I think about, you know, being... How is that not a concern? It's got to be, right? It's a source of revenue for your employer, the state, or, or I'm sorry, the county or the city in which you work. So it seems like it should be a concern about where revenues are coming into your department, where they're coming from, and how they can be improved. Absolutely. So I I was kind of frustrated that it was so quickly dismissed that it's not a concern of, of that department. Of that department. And that maybe that's a big problem with a, with our society. Everything's compartmentalized. Too much. Yeah, that's not my issue. That's someone else's issue. Yeah. Hey, let's take a call here. We've got Jim calling from Oceano. Thanks for calling in, Jim. How are you? Hello. Yes, this is Jim in Oceano. Yeah, I, about five... No, about three years ago, I was looking at a piece of property in Oceano, 
So that's in the county. I had to go to the county, uh, what do you call it? County planning? planning department. I was planning to, it had three units on it, and I was planning to take those out and put in maybe prefab units. Uh-huh, got it. The guy at the county says, the first thing I have to do is make a drainage plan. Because they're worried about um, runoff, I guess, or, you know. Oh, in Oceano? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, he said, and as soon as I had the uh, drainage plan uh, made up, he would look at it, and it would cost $5,000 just to look at the drainage plan that I drew up. (laughs) So basically, you're going to turn up some dirt. Yeah, you're going to turn up some dirt. And they want to plan on how you're going to contain that dirt if it rains hard or something along those lines. And that costs you $5,000 to look at. Just to look at it. And I couldn't believe it. And then for that, I just forgot it. Forgot about it. <laughs> hey, I, I'll, I'll look at it. <laughs> for 200 that bucks. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> so they're, they're just out to get, uh, they need revenue. And so I just felt like they were yeah. gouging, gouging. That does seem extreme. Seems extreme to me. That's a true story. I went down to the, I forget who I talked to, but it was at the planning department in San Luis County. Yeah, we we hear those stories a lot. The the fees are excessive. In fact, um, we were were talking to a client in Morro Bay who was looking at a piece of dirt, and they were quoted um, by a planner there that it would take 12 to 18 months to get through the process. And... Um, by the time all the different impact fees and reports and studies and all the required things that were, they were going to get through all that, that was going to be just a, you know, close to a hundred thousand dollars in fees and then 12 to 18 months of time, which, you know, if there's financing involved, there's a, there's a pretty significant interest carry cost there. That's a valid concern. Even the rich people have problems. Do you remember when they remodeled the McDonald's there right on Grand and Highway 101? I do, yeah. There, if you noticed, I used to ride my bike by there. There was one wall that was left standing. They demolished everything except one wall. Uh huh. Guess why that was? So it's a it's a remodel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we know that trick. Yeah, the games we play. <laughs> yeah. So there's another example right there of excessive regulation. There you are. It is a it is a challenge to get get stuff built nowadays. Um, hey, Jim, we appreciate your phone call. We are coming up on the top of the hour hard break here, so we're going to have to let you go. But thanks for calling. Thanks for listening. Um, we, I guess we're going out right now. There you are. All right, folks. Uh, refresh the coffee. Water the dog, as Jason would like to say. Um, we're going to take a quick five-minute break, and we're going to have another hour with you on Mortgage Matters. We've got so much more to talk about, and hope you'll stick with us. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Let's do it. Wild thing. Dad's rock. Dad's rocking out over there, man. <laughs> 
Man, switching it up. I didn't know you had that in you. Let's that's, do it, man. That, that's more from second. his era. <laughs> <laughs> do the yeah. second hour. That's right. I'm pumped. This is the second hour of Mortgage Matters. Man, this is going to fly by now. <sighs> Always need that little kick in the butt, that shot in the arm there. <laughs> Stepped outside during the break, and I half thought about just jumping in my car and heading out of here yeah it's a nice to the day beach. outside it's yeah. awfully beautiful you can't leave me hanging <laughs> jim you've got it you got it under control there's so much going on this weekend there's a gosh what's going on there's a there's a music festival going on in morro bay um there's an oyster festival going there's, on in avila beach there's some sort of fundraiser for the moral bay forest oh too, yeah oh I, yeah i've if, heard something about it if you like oysters this is your weekend there's the central coast oyster festival in avila beach today mm-hmm. and then there is the oyster and beer feast in moro bay tomorrow mm. now how might somebody get a ticket for that down oh there's a you can go online um go to moro bay fourth four th the number four t th morrow bay fourth dot org and you can buy a ticket uh to the oyster feast tomorrow it's at tognazini's dockside two in morrow bay um it happens to be a great fundraiser for the morrow bay fourth of july um that's our fifth annual fifth annual fundraiser um at tognazini's dockside it's a, it's Don't a, forget the beer part. I think that helps. It's a great time. Yeah, twenty bucks gets you half dozen oysters and a pitcher of beer. There's your choice of small, medium, large oysters depending on on what you're into. You can either get a pitcher of beer or a pitcher of soda, and then food for the kids is free. I think there's free hot dogs or corn dogs, something like that, and um, and that for the kids. So it's a it's a great time sitting outside on the on the deck at Tognazini's Dockside 2. And you guys use all the profits from for uh, the Morro Bay for celebration. 100% of the revenue for that event goes towards fireworks. Yeah, Mark Tognazini, such a generous, generous man, donates all of the food and, and beverage product um, completely. So all the money raised, all the money that is generated for that event goes to fireworks in Morro Bay. And who doesn't love fireworks? Ah, it's such a great, great holiday. Fourth of July is, um, might be just behind, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas for me is my favorite holiday. I think so. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think Thanksgiving is number one. It used to be Christmas, but you know. But now you're the supplier instead of the receiver. (laughs) Yeah. It's kind of lost some of its flair a little bit for me. I've talked to people from other parts of the world and. Of course, they wouldn't have the 4th of July there, but they don't really have anything that's like it in lots of other parts of the world. Like a Independence Day celebration? Exactly. We make a big deal out of it, and we should. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's what makes our country great. That's, yeah. And I always remember it growing up. It was uh, summertime, getting together with a family and friends and neighbors, barbecuing, pyrotechnics. I mean, who does? what kid doesn't like to light things on fire? Oh, Blowing stuff up is definitely one of my I favorite. I enjoy to do. it completely. I, oh yeah. Any any day that you get to do that on a on a large <laughs> large scale is a beautiful day, in my opinion. I completely agree. I'm just saying. Yeah, I have fond memories. As long of, as they're legal, of course. But, oh, of know. course. There there'll be no law breaking. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, yeah, I have fond memories of lighting my aunt's um, hedges on fire one year when a smoke bomb um, 
that I was, I think I, I was slingshotting a smoke bomb and it was, went astray Ooh. into a hedge and the whole thing caught on fire. Oh, I got a good one for you. <laughs> so I'm about, I don't know, seven or eight and we are in England, I believe at the time. My dad was stationed at uh, Lake and Heath, England. You're just and- kind of rubbing it in their faces. What's that? Oh, no, no, no. There was the 4th of July (laughs) celebration, right? So I I bought these things. I mean, you got to remember, this is 70s, late 70s, but they were cigarette poppers. They were like little triangle things that you'd stick in the end of a cigarette, right? And if somebody lit a cigarette, it would would pop. And, uh, you know, because people back in the 70s still did that. It's like a whoopee cushion for a cigarette. Pretty much, except it was a minor explosion. (laughs) So in, in my mind, it seemed like a great idea if one was good. Many, many were great. So I stuck it in my dad's pipe tobacco because, you know, he smoked pipe back then, quit that a long time ago. But he decided to light his pipe up in the uh, NCO club that had uh, paper tablecloths everywhere. And, yeah, I caught it on fire. Whoops. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a memorable experience. Did any structures burn? No, no, there was a lot of quick-acting adults that Good. had big pitchers of water to put it out, but uh, yeah, I got in a bit of trouble with that one. I can imagine. Yeah, it was good stuff, though, good stuff. So, yes, that's why we are big advocates of safe and sane, because we've been there. <laughs> we've messed up. We don't want you to make the same mistake we, we've made. Absolutely. <clears throat> so, anyways, Oyster Fundraiser. Yep, that's how that started. and and ended up in a fire yeah (laughs) all right so great weekend lots of fun activities all culminating on sunday with a oyster and beer feast at tognazini's hope to see you there all right back to the the uh news at hand here we've got we've got a great conversation going we've talked a lot about um the the jobs report that came out yesterday We've transitioned into housing and building-related numbers, some of the challenges with building and finding construction financing, which um, hopefully more plentiful options for construction financing are just um, on the horizon here. Um, but we wanted to, to dive a little bit deeper into housing because um, that's right up the alley of this show, right? Absolutely. Uh, Wells Fargo Economics Group um, produces some studies from time to time and uh, they came up with their April housing data wrap-up and in this report they had some pretty interesting comments about housing they say that there's been a steady tide of negative housing reports over the past few months that have raised doubts about the housing recovery Um, sales of new and existing homes have weakened mortgage applications have fallen and the home ownership rate has plunged to its lowest level in 20 years new home construction has also slowed single family housing starts through the first three months of the year are running 1.6 percent below their year ago pace and starts of multifamily units are down 3.8 percent so that's some of the feedback from this april housing report Yeah, that doesn't sound positive. It doesn't sound great. Um, We know that a lot of this, a lot of the sales figures have to do with inventory levels being um, significantly down. Hence the previous conversation. Sure. Um, Construction slowed. That's, That's concerning because we know there's demand. There's eight years of demand for housing units. We haven't been building for, for nearly eight years. And, um, that's putting a big strain 
on just, the housing market just to keep up with the population growth sure you know and it can be broken down a little bit more um i from various different reports so it says existing home sales year to date are down about 6.5 percent according to data from the national association of realtors right so that's what overall down 6.5 percent um, on homes that are already constructed, not not including new construction. Um, analysts estimate that repeat buyers, so not first-time home buyers, people that already own a house or have owned a home in the past, are only down by 1.6%, which seems like a small number in comparison. But the first-time home buyers are down by 12.3%. Investor, and see, this is what we were talking about earlier with the investors. The investor purchases are down by 10.2%. And non-investors are down by 5.6%. Cash buyers, however, are up by 4.7%. And that uh, non-cash buyers overall are down by 11.3%. And distressed purchases, which, you know, that was all the the short sales and foreclosures were down by 39%. Wow. But the home prices remain strong and they're up, which shows that there is some demand. Um, 1.4% year-to-date and 12.2%. 2% year over year. So see, yeah, the, I mean, it's, it's those levels, those low inventory levels that are continuing to keep upward pressure on prices, but everything you just rattled off there was down, 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 except for home prices and cash sales. Home prices and cash sales are up. The investor portion kind of makes sense to me. The first time home buyer section though, that seems to be that seems to be a big sticking point. That and then the the financed people down by 11.3%. The other numbers seem relatively small in my opinion. I mean, the investors, not small, but there's outside influences that I think are affecting that. I mean, I think you'd agree to that. Yeah, yeah. I think just the, I think inventory levels are, are kind of playing into that lack of investor um, buying number the the specific the, type of inventory they're looking for as well as overall inventory. yeah they're they're looking for that that generally that lower priced inventory or and or multifamily type of stuff stuff that'll cash flow easier um you know that will provide them that opportunity that that's what they've seemed to be gobbling up I wanted to say very quickly about cash sales mm-hmm. um the most recent statistics I've seen are that Cash sales are representing about one third of all s- of of total sales, which is a pretty high number. Oh, that wouldn't be surprising to me with the numbers that we're looking at, though. In general, that's a bit surprising to me. You know, if if I look at the numbers that we just rattled off and we were just talking about, that would seem not surprising. But if I, outside of those numbers, just thinking general day to day. Maybe it's perspective because of where we live and how much homes cost here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I'll tell you this: I, I was recently in Tennessee, and home prices there are—you <laughs> know—to break a hundred thousand dollars, you, you're buying quite a house. And if you get up to two hundred thousand dollars, you're living large. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I guess everything's a bit of perspective, and where we live gives us a little bit of a different look at it. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it, though, plays back into what we were talking about. If, if the investor numbers are imperative and the first-time homebuyer numbers are imperative, then keeping construction costs down seems to be hugely imperative right now. But, you know, I don't know what to call the little thing you slip your fingers into and you pull against it and it locks both of your fingers. 
What is those little handcuffs? Those little handcuff things. It or seems finger like cuff? finger cuff, I don't know. for lack of a better word. It seems that that's the deal. You know, we have a little bit of the finger cuff thing going on because we don't want to see expansion. We, we want to protect the environment. We want to do all of these things. We don't want to see, you know, the growth of the, the sprawl the, of the area. But on the other hand, we really kind of need it. So we have a push and a pull that's going on. And it's kind of locking locking us up. And it's the same thing, you know, with most of the overall economic information, too. There always seems to be something pushing and something pulling and uh, like a bit of a tug of war, I guess. Yeah, well, I think growth is is a reality. There has to be growth. The population continues to grow, so there has to be growth in the the shelter aspect. Um, smart growth, of course, is important. a balancing act. We need to have smart growth. That's that's um, you know taking advantage of the technology we have to limit the impact on the environment. Yeah. The problem is we're not seeing that. I think one of the most concerning numbers in that report to me is that first time home buyer is down huge is down double digit percentage what concerns me about that is we're at a unique time right now where it's hard to say that prices are still low because they've been rebounding substantially over these these last couple of years but yeah. they're still below the peak mm-hmm. and and they're not going lower you know the home the year-over-year home prices are up 12 percent, so they're they're not going lower; they're going higher. So we're at this unique time where, you know, home prices are down from their peak, mm-hmm. and interest rates are still at historic lows. They're we're in this window that's not going to last too much longer with rates below five percent. No, I get it, but you know. So where's the first-time home buyer? Well, where's the pe- where are the people that are taking this opportunity to get into a home that's going to appreciate, that's going to get more expensive to finance? Where are the folks well, that, that are buying? Just a thought. My first thought would be that the first-time home buyers are generally young, and their perspective is different. You know, we're coming out of a lower-rate environment into a higher-rate environment. And, you know, even the Fed came out and said that they think that rising interest rates are this are playing the single largest role in the slowdown of housing. I don't know that I agree with that, but I'm wondering if for the first time home buyer, because they don't remember very far back just because they're not that old. Sure. And um, I don't, you know what? I don't even know that it's the first time home buyer. Um, recently, I I was privy to a conversation of a, Gosh, she must be in her 60s now. She's um, she's telling our loan officer stories about her first home being fine or having the opportunity to finance her first purchase at 18%, but she was lucky enough to get a loan from mom and dad at 12%. From mom and dad. To undercut the going interest rate. And here she was complaining about her refinance that, she attempted to do a year ago in the threes and was now getting stuck with a four and a quarter percent interest rate. <laughs> Perspective is everything. Yeah. But it's funny that she got a loan from mom and dad at what's considered hard money rates now. But yeah. uh, <laughs> but was six percent under. <laughs> and she market. was really happy. That being said, like I'm old enough. My uh, I got a loan in the sevens and everybody thought that that was so spectacular. My first home <laughs> loan. Obviously, you know, now that wouldn't be so good. Well, and we've seen it. We've seen the housing market. Like we said, a year ago, mm-hmm. rates were in the threes. 30-year fixed rates were in the threes. Yep. And business was booming. 
both on the sales side and the lending side, whether it's purchase or refinance. Yeah. Rates went up a percent over the course of three months. And all of a sudden, the market has changed so dramatically. The, the, the pace of sales slowed down a lot. Mm. Um, refinancing all but vanished. What does that say about our housing market that still at historic lows, interest rates are in the, the low to mid 4% range. What does that say about our housing market that that small change can have that big of an impact on our housing market? See, but I, I question whether it does really have that. I mean, it does have an impact, no doubt. I'm not saying that it doesn't. But look at the distressed purchases. Distressed purchases are down by 39%, right? So so you th so you're saying that it's all about inventories, not about the rate environment. I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's about both, I think. But for me, I look at it and I go, you know, the biggest number that I see is the distressed purchases, which plays into the second um, number, which is the uh, first time home buyer at 12.3, because they were the ones that were buying some of the lower end properties. It's, you know, it's an entry level property, right? So they were buying those. And then the next highest number is the investors, which were also buying those. Those two groups were competing for the lower end inventory. I, I pop open any of the real estate books and even in North County, everything's 500. You might see something in the 400s. You're not seeing that entry level property. You're not seeing that investor property. And I think a lot of that has definitely affected the speed of the of the market um things aren't uh, selling as much because there's not as much stuff to sell now the rates playing a role too now the fed obviously disagrees with me and they're far more intelligent than i so maybe you know i don't know what i'm talking about but it seems to me that those numbers would indicate that it's playing the inventory is playing a larger role than some of the the national news is giving it credit for at least locally I want to expand on this part of our conversation. Before we do that, we need to take a commercial break here. Um, just be a couple of minutes here, and then we'll come back, and we'll, we'll continue with this conversation. If you'd like to join in, we would love to hear from you. You can call into the show live at 543-8830, 543-8830. Or if you're out of the area, you can join the conversation by calling 800-800. 549-KVEC. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. 
Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. Let me and my staff of mortgage experts help you buy your next home. We promise to close on time, on budget, with no surprises. Give Central Coast Lending a call today. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. The 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast kicks off Sunday, June 8th at Tognazzini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 11 a.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen oysters with your choice of size, raw or barbecue, a pitcher of beer or soda, entertainment, and live auction. Plus, free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast Sunday, June 8th at Tognazzini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazzini's, and this radio station. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Almost the weekend. Thirty minutes to go. We're having a great conversation here. Will Barnaby, Dan Podesto, Central Coast Lending. We're talking about some of the recent statistics um, with home sales and home values, and trying to come to some conclusion as to why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, we're seeing a lot of negative reports coming out with housing. We're seeing a lot of home sales figures down. A lot of prices higher. We've just come off of a couple year run of a lot of short sale and foreclosure inventory at rock bottom prices transacting. A lot of people taking advantage of, of great opportunities at low interest rates and low price levels to get into the market. And now the most recent reports, we're seeing first time home buyers who typically take advantage of that entry level housing market, um, they're... they're their home activity, their home purchasing activities down over 10%. Rates are still at historic lows. Prices, while they're higher than they were at the, you know, from the bottom, they're still below peak levels. So where have these guys gone? Mm. Is it is it just that inventory levels are down? You're saying that everywhere you look, you're you're just not seeing what you would consider entry-level housing for our area. Why We've we've seen hundreds of sub you know four hundred and three hundred thousand dollar transactions in our county go down in the last two years, so they exist. Why aren't those homes now reselling when we know there's demand for that type of property, and why aren't those sellers then moving up into the next category of purchase, that mid level, that low you know mid to I understand basically you're asking why why aren't the people that bought those entry level or distressed properties buying up yeah at this point selling and buying up where are they going right. are they so in love with their three percent interest rate that they're not willing to to give it up to move up into a uh 
bigger home or better home with better amenities? You know, I think that the first time home buyer group that, that bought a lot of those, some of those were investors and some of those people did make those the mid-level homes and then flip them. But that first time home buyer group that seems to be stuck that you're talking about that now should be purchasing their second home and bumping up, I think, I think it is a lot of consumer confidence. I think it's a little bit like um, the people that lived through the depression that used to hide money in in coffee cans and bury them mm-hmm. in the backyard. There's a little bit of that, you know, shell shockness. And I think particularly with people that are in their, you know, 20s and 30s, maybe even um, a more conservative attitude about housing. Um, you know, I don't know that they're really looking to get into the McMansion. I think that that's playing a smaller and smaller role in their life. And I think that the confidence is also, you know, I, I think they got smacked around a little bit. I know they got smacked around a little bit financially, you know, over the last few years. And I, I, I have to believe that, that that's playing a role. But you're right. There's a demand for it. They could undoubtedly make a profit. They may be able to get into a home for the same payment that they have because of the equity gain. Hard to say. Depends on how much they buy up. But you would think that if it was a more normalized marketplace at the moment, that that would be happening. And you don't see that happening at the moment. How about this as a theory? Okay. Perhaps the majority of all of the the lowest priced inventory that we've seen transact in the last two years was purchased by investors and they're happy with the the cash flow rents are higher year over year over year over year (laughs) rents are higher so their cash flow position has only improved and maybe maybe they're not willing to why get out of that they've still got 20 some odd years of depreciation left on that on no, that investment. No, that's absolutely true too. That that has to be playing a role. It used to be if you bought a house in this county and you put down, I don't know, twenty percent, it took you anywhere from five to seven years before the rents would even pay the mortgage. That's no longer the case. That's no longer the case. I mean, some of these houses these guys bought into, they did some minor repairs, they they prettied them up a little bit. They're they're renting them out at this point, and the rents are you know, pretty substantial in comparison to the carrying costs. And, you know, I think that you're going to see that continue to play out. Now, whether or not those people are incentivized in some way to move on to newer construction or even multifamily construction, which was also down a bit, um, it's hard to say. But I think that something's got to move them off that. And at the moment, if they bought it as a first-time home buyer, they're not moving off for whatever reason. Again, I would speculate consumer confidence in that area. And then you're right. In the investor side, they don't have any incentive to do it. Yeah, I, I don't see the investor side moving. But those those homes that are owner-occupied, perhaps there is just a, a, different, um, a different way of perceiving real estate now. Stay within your means. Live within your means. Stay modest with your home payment. Well, you know, and I think some of it's fear, too. We've we've seen the the latest consumer confidence down. You know, people aren't um, completely believing in this recovery yet. There's still talk that I, I hear it too often. I, I'm not a believer, but I hear it a lot that, that people still wonder if there's a double dip in housing um, on the horizon. That that home prices have rebounded too fast, too soon. And that we may be poised for for a decline. I I don't believe it personally. You know, I think the one thing that would prevent that is just a, like I said, a lack of inventory. Yeah. You know, it 
even if the demand drops substantially, it would still be a decent demand for the inventory that's available. I mean, literally, you look at some of the the real estate advertising, you know, um, magazines or whatever out there. Some of them are 30, 40 percent drawings of new construction. Yeah, I've seen a lot of that now. When was the last time you saw that? I've never seen that ever. Um, you know, granted, I'm 42, so it's not that large of a time. But you, you look at those and they're generally, you know, there's one or two new construction or development type ads. That's not the case right now. Right now, I'm thinking at least 30 to 40 percent of those books are filled with uh, diagrams or pictures of homes that aren't actually built yet. Yeah. You know, so I think that the inventory uh, will keep it down. Now, whether or not construction can rebound to the point where it can, you know, make enough supply for the demand, that's tough to say. But it's also hard for me to see that happening with uh, the problems that we were talking about earlier, the speed at which these things are getting done and approved and mm -hmm. the overall costs of those things and the profit margins being down. I, I really don't see how that could happen. Well, and and I think that's a good transition here for the conversation. You know, what's the forecast looking like? Um, we are seeing more and more in these real estate magazines, new home developments being being listed. Um, a lot of them are drawings or, or renderings that you know aren't actually you you couldn't drive by the project and see them yet. So sometimes I wonder still how far along these projects are. Um, I know that there's some marketing strategies where they like to try to get some some pre-sales done. So there's a little confidence to go out there and start the construction. Um, but according to, you know, back to this Wells Fargo housing data report um, that we were referencing earlier, that they did give some forecast that, that they, they do see conditions improving this year um, after the disappointing first quarter expectations for new home sales are are that they will rise um, somewhere around 14 15 percent this year and um, and rise to about 20 rise 20 percent for the following year so hmm. 15 percent gain in new home sales this year 20 percent gain next year and that's that's perhaps you know the timeline for these projects to come to fruition it takes you know, six to 12, maybe 18 months to get these projects from concept to um, actual yeah. habitable building. And, and you may be being generous with that. Definitely single family may be on that line. But if you're talking multifamily, I think that that's even longer, which I think does play into that other number as well. I think the multifamily stuff's taking even longer than the single family, which is taking a long time. And I also wonder how much of the rise in the new home sales is going to be taking from what would have been demand for the existing home sales because those existing homes aren't on the market. It's hard to say, but it, it'll be kind of curious to see. But that doesn't really seem to surprise me. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see new home sales go up by that much because of the inventory issue that we have. You know, yeah. Just taking a guess, but there you go. One of the one of the common threads I see with a lot of these new home tracks is you know that it's not really filling that demand for the the entry level home. And no. I think a lot of that has to do with, with what we were talking about earlier in the show. Um, some of it's cost of land, you know, mm -hmm. while it's not necessarily been on the rise, like, like the home prices land in California in general, especially on the coast in wonderful areas like San Luis Obispo County land's not expensive. Cheap. No, land's it's not expensive cheap. around here. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to find land 
in the the city or you know some of the the um the areas like the incorporated area limits that is less than what two hundred thousand dollars per per unit yeah particularly at the beach the beach is you know as soon as you get to the coast you're talking a lot of money yeah i'm seeing you know in in the north coast lots are 200 250 plus for a single family lot um and that you know it's more expensive of course when you get into san luis obispo city maybe a little bit less expensive but not significantly when you get up into north county and you know i i think areas of south county pismo Arroyo grande pretty expensive to buy land to buy dirt to build a single family home you've got the cost of of the the fees and that that process the soft cost process of building and then still the hard costs it's it's hard to buy dirt get through the process and build out these units even on a larger scale and then offer a product to market that is filling that need for the entry level of the 300 to 400 thousand dollars they're just hard to find yeah it really is and there used to be a real focus on making sure that there was some entry-level housing in the market i remember when things used to get built like projects or developments or whatever there was always a focus on trying to make sure at least a certain number of the homes were kind of entry-level type of homes or affordable housing um i i don't know after the financial crisis, if that's something that's continuing, I would assume that it is, but not real sure. Be interesting to, to find that out. Well, so I guess the question is for for the first time homebuyers in our area who maybe want to get into owning their first home, um, but are having trouble finding something that's in their price range, maybe they haven't saved up enough to, to buy something in the $500,000 range. Maybe their income supports it, but they're their saving scenario doesn't. Yeah, how do they get in? What what kind of tools are available for these folks to get into housing? Uh, well, I would tell you that in, in my opinion, that if I were a first time home buyer, um, didn't have a home to sell for the equity to put down on another property, I'd start to move now. And the reason I say that is, you know, the, there's programs out there like the USDA program is a brilliant program, but it's every year because of the population growth in our area, it's constantly in jeopardy. Um, last few years it seems to get you know band-aided up together and put out and extended for a little longer and i know that it's extended through what 2020 now it's been extended through 2020 yeah, it's been extended and expanded through 2020 so there's now some stability in our area for our area uh, to I was remain unaware. it's basically usda is available everywhere in our county except for san luis obispo city some of the five cities and then some of the five cities areas yeah. and then santa when you get into santa barbara county um santa maria santa maria the core of it is not eligible but you get on the outskirts and it is so it's eligible for most of our our area yeah it is and, and that's a brilliant program uh, i've seen a lot more va stuff lately and that's also another brilliant program obviously there's still fha which i think has been made a bit of a weaker product lately but i mean if it's the product you're stuck with that was my first home loan FHA is great if you don't have excellent credit um, or there's some other situations. I think primarily it's used when there's credit flaws that are preventing you from getting competitive rates with conventional financing. Yeah, for sure. Because conventional offers a 5% down opportunity. I think one of the things I see a lot um, 
with transactions that go through our company for first-time home buyers are gift funds. We see a lot of young, um, young folks, young families who are getting gifts from relatives, mm. um, family members, sometimes even an employer who's trying to attract them and, and keep them here in this area, keep quality talent in this area. Um, they'll get a gift. I've seen more and more of the employer stuff as well lately. And that's, I mean, you know, I've lived here now for 15, 16 years. I've had a lot of friends come and go because it's hard to stay in this area. And they're extremely talented people, but they couldn't find the career path to keep them here and be able to afford to live here. So as businesses are trying to grow and trying to attract quality talent, that is an opportunity for a business um, you know, help them out with a 5% down payment so that they can get into a home here and, and qualify. Maybe it's just that little bit of, of a, of a, like a signing bonus onto the company, um, to help keep that quality talent here in this area to perform and help your company grow. We, we see a lot of gift funds and both conventional FHA, um, well, USDA and VA don't need down payments, but conventional and FHA, they allow gift funds as a source for down payment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to get some products. We definitely need to work on getting more and more first-time home buyers back into the market. You, you've got to you gotta feed the entry level, um, just like a tree. You know, there's got to be a root, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we we got we got to focus a bit on that root. Otherwise, you know, we're going to end up in an area of all retired people and, you know, some college people mixed in. I mean, that's kind of the way it'll it'll flow. If we can't keep the first-time home buyer, we can't keep the younger people here. And that's going to hurt business. It's that's absolutely going to hurt business. Which is going to hurt the economy. It has, it has wide-reaching effects, um, not being able to produce entry-level housing in our area. Um, hey, we need to take our final commercial break of the show. When we get back, we'll have about 15 more minutes with you. Just enough time to maybe squeeze in a phone call if you still have a question that you've been dying to ask. Um, we'd love to hear from you. 543-8830. 543-8830. Stick around for the finale of Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Hi, this is Jason Grody at Central Coast Lending, host of Mortgage Matters on KVEC. We recently made the jump to direct lender. That's right. Now we can do your loan in-house, but we still broker too. We choose based on getting the best loan terms for you. We don't know what to call it yet, but you'll call it amazing. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. Where the mortgage Experts on the Central Coast, Central Coast Lending. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast kicks off Sunday, June 8th at Tognazzini's Dockside 2. The party starts at 11 a.m. Tickets are just 20 bucks and include a half dozen oysters with your choice of size, raw or barbecue, a pitcher of beer or soda, 
entertainment, and live auction. Plus, free corn dogs and sodas for the kids. 100% of the proceeds help keep fireworks in Morro Bay. We'll see you at the 5th Annual Oyster and Beer Feast Sunday, June 8th at Tognazini's Dockside 2. Presented by Morro Bay 4th, Tognazini's, and this radio station. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. Here we are. It's the home stretch on Mortgage Matters. Had a great conversation with my coworker Will Barnaby. You can find Will during the week in Paso Robles, the Central Coast Lending Paso Robles branch, 1921 Spring Street. He's always there to answer your questions, help you out with financing needs, whether it's a refinance or a home purchase. Just drop in and say hi to Will. He's just a fun guy to talk to. Buy him a coffee. He loves coffee. Yes. Everybody <laughs> has their addictions, I guess. Will loves coffee. I do remember that. Um, all right. So we kind of have transitioned this conversation into opportunities for folks to get into housing um, with the, the still historically low rate environment. In fact, we've we're now experiencing rates that are at a 12 month low yes which is nice you know we last year at this time rates were at their peak historic low um and they popped up overnight nearly in june by about a percentage point yeah. um, so we went from the low to mid threes to now we're in the low to mid fours and in the last month or so we've seen interest rates fall about a quarter of a point so that you're right around that four to four and a quarter percent, depending on the loan program and your your credit and you know all those factors. But you're in the the low fours now. Um, so a little mini opportunity here, if you maybe were thinking about a refinance right before rates popped and kind of missed your window, the windows cracked a little bit for you. If Absolutely. you're looking to make a purchase and maybe you're on the fringe of qualifying, rates are lower now, so you have a little bit more affordability. More purchase power. Yeah, more purchase power um, to get into a home that, that's maybe appreciated a little bit more um, over the last few months. So there's some opportunities there. 
I want to highlight something that we're um, promoting on our website and in some of our print advertising here. Um, want to alert you too as a potential buyer or potential refinance um, client. And that's your ability to qualify. It's it, it's no doubt that it's tougher to qualify for a loan today than it was five years ago. There's no more breathing on the application and we'll hand you a check for half a million or a million dollars. No more mirror test. That, that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, no breathing on the mirror to get a loan. You have to fill out a loan application completely and then you have to prove everything that you put down with your documents. Um, two years of tax returns, pay stubs, W-2s, bank statements, the whole, you have to lay it all out on the table. At Central Coast Lending, we have an opportunity for you because a lot of people have gone through the, the tough economic years here that we faced the last six years or so. Yeah. But now they're on the mend. Whether you're self-employed or, or a wage earner, Maybe you've you've managed to work your way into a better position. Maybe you got a a, a promotion and a raise. Maybe you um, your your business that you own is now operating. You've you've trimmed the fat and you're operating at a better profit margin now. You're making more money. Maybe sales have just jumped up and and you're bringing in more income now. We can get you qualified with only your most recent year of tax returns, which is pretty huge. That's a huge opportunity. If It's pretty huge because there are people that life was going along nice. Things were well. The financial crisis hit. They had a few bad years. Everything's been good. They've managed to pay all their bills, but they can't qualify with those few years of tax returns when things were, things were really, really bad. The one-year tax returns after things have turned around, it's a huge opportunity for people. Yeah, a lot of times, um, you know, banks will make you qualify with – some kind of two-year average of your income. And that that one bad year can really drag your, your qualifying income down. So to only look at the most recent year um, could really boost your, your qualification income, which could boost your purchasing power. Um, it, it, really, it might get you into just a better loan program where you can get a better interest rate. There's, it really has a lot of, um, presents an opportunity for you to qualify uh, that you, you couldn't otherwise if you had to produce two years of tax returns. Absolutely. The We could take it a step further. Mm -hmm. um, if you were working for a company and in the last year, you decided that it was time for you to go out on your own and start your own business, become self-employed. Um, most of the time, you need to have at least a two-year history of being successfully self-employed. You do, most of the time. We have an opportunity with one of our investors. It's a portfolio loan program. It's not something that you'll find at any institution. It's something that we have uh, where you can qualify for financing with just one year as a self-employed um, business owner. For sure. For sure. It does feel a little bit like the pendulum is starting to swing because it for a number of years, it went too far one direction for the self-employed people. Banks did not want to take any risks on self-employed people. And now you're starting to see them come back and start to make some concessions and start to work with the self-employed people a bit more. You know, and, and part of it, I think, is the banks and the Fed, the government, everybody has interest, obviously, in raising the numbers that we've been talking about today. And they, they see that as something that they can do to affect it. And it's going to create a lot of opportunity for people that couldn't do things in the past that now are going to be able to. 
some of the, the folks who might benefit from these opportunities here, maybe you own residential real estate as an investment okay. and you've spent the last last year improving your property and using those repairs as a tax write-off, but it's really hurt your, your income on your schedule E of your tax line. return. Um, and that's made it hard for you to qualify. But now you have the property re-rented at, you know, a better rent than you had before because of all the improvements you made. Having just one year of tax return to qualify can really help that person in that situation. Absolutely. You know, again, someone who um, has experienced that increase in income um, over the previous year who would otherwise get a 24-month average, we can qualify you with a 12-month average. Um, it, it That will help you. You can qualify for more home um, with that higher qualifying income. So these are things that, you know, it never hurts t to start a conversation. If, if you might fit into this category and are interested in at least just seeing what you could qualify for, that's what we're here for. Consultations are always free. Um, they can be as, as long and comprehensive as you want to make them, or they can be quick and easy. Sometimes we can have a quick conversation, give you that thumbnail test of, of whether or not you're, you're, uh, you know, what you can qualify for over the phone in just 10 minutes or so. Well, and even if it's just a conversation about what you need to do to get to that point, you know, sometimes these things might take a little bit longer than others. And if you've got something that you have to take care of, at least we can identify that issue and give you a plan to get to the position where you actually can go out and buy a house. Yeah, I can think of a number of clients that we've spent a year or more helping coach them th through, um, you know, how to save money, how to pay off debt, how to... Um, affect their credit score? Affect credit score, improve credit score, um, clean up bad credit, and, um, and maybe just prepare taxes in a way where maybe you're taking a little bit of a bigger hit on the tax side this year, but it's going to enable you to qualify for that purchase or refinance loan that's going to be beneficial for you for the next 30 years. Absolutely. You know, and it, you can clearly identify the groups of people that, you know, they're creating programs for. Like you're talking about the self-employed people. They're definitely starting to lighten up on those people, and that's great. Um, people that have had a, a major economic event in the last few years, they're starting to lighten up on those people as well. It, which is good because some of those people, that's a once in a lifetime event. They went through a once in a, I don't know how many generations event with the, with the economic downturn and people that have had, you know, I don't know, short sales, foreclosures, bankruptcies, these types of things as well. They're starting to be a bit more forgiving on the timeframes of those things. And they're starting to identify those people as long as, uh, you know, everything since that point's been good. And some time has gone by, depending upon the specific issue. But those time frames are shortening up. They're starting to work with people. A lot of the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Compensating factors, so to speak. They've mm -hmm. started to be a bit more understanding about some of those compensating factors as well. So I would say that those people that are that are in that boat that maybe feel like it's something that's out of their reach at the moment, maybe that's a group of people too that the overall industry is trying to to help out and lift up a little bit. So we're seeing a lot of re-emerging buyers as they're being termed. Um, with FHA, you can re-enter uh, re the housing market with just one year seasoning on your bankruptcy or your short sale or your foreclosure. 
you do have to have good reestablished credit mm-hmm. in the the following you know the 12 months that followed the major event you also um, have to have a good explanation for what happened you have to document a loss of job or loss of income or some other major happening that has negatively impacted your financial situation if you can document that and have a good story to tell you can get back into the housing market after just 12 months well and a big one that i see a lot in this area are the furloughs that happen for some of the government employees i I know it's a lot to do with the fact that we have a lot of those people employed in the area um and it might be you know area specific but you know a lot of those a lot of people were put on furloughs a lot of people had a, a cut in pay that was un uh unpredicted or unscheduled. And, you know, those types of things are good compensating factors as well. That is true. There are a lot of opportunities out there. Um, you know, sometimes we, we don't, we fail to mention them all because we see them and work with them every single day. So we don't necessarily know what you don't know. Um, that's why it's always great to have a conversation. If you're interested in refinancing, interested in buying a home, maybe think you're challenged in one way or another, don't be your own uh, underwriter. Don't don't just write yourself off from this opportunity. Let's have a quick conversation and figure out if there is an opportunity or how to get you into a good opportunity to get into real estate. It's, a, it's always a great investment, especially here on the beautiful Central Coast. Um, I want to thank you today for listening uh, to Mortgage Matters. We love doing the show. We love offering advice and answering questions. Thanks to our callers today for participating in the show. Um, I want to invite you to call us during the week if you need any help with a refinancer purchase um, or talking about planning for a refinancer purchase. We'd love to help you out. You can call us at the office. The number to all of our offices is the same. It's 543-LOAN. It's 543-5626. If you want to get started Today, you can log on to our website, centralcoastlending.com. Upper left corner, there's an apply now button. It's secure, it's easy, it's online. Take you less than 10 minutes to fill it out. um, And someone will contact you right away to get the process started on a refinance or purchase. We make it as easy as possible. Um, We give you the advice that you need. Um, Log on to centralcoastlending.com. We've got a lot of great articles on there trying to keep you informed as you know on what's going on in the mortgage market the housing market um, keep you abreast of all the important issues thanks again for listening thanks to will for joining me thank you and uh we hope to see you on the radio next week uh, with the new edition of mortgage matters